The Michael market is just insane. It's going to be even more insane. Welcome everyone to part three of the Michael Jordan week documentary series, exclusive interviews with people around the hobby, experts who know their specific industry way better than I do because I don't collect these Michael Jordan cards like we have Andy here from IndyCar Exchange, how he just goes nuts for these Jordan cards. Um, I'm more of the modern game, 2010 to present. If you saw the last two parts, you're probably extremely excited for this one because on this part, we have Andy here to talk about his personal collection, why he picked up the cards, his story behind collecting Jordan. On the last couple ones, we talked more about the market. Part one, we talked about the rookie card market. Part two, we talked about the 90s insert market and the values and how they've changed over the years. Here in part three, we have Andy to talk about his card collection of Michael Jordan, the 90s inserts, and a couple he pulled himself in 88. So Andy, thank you for joining me. He's from Indy Car Exchange in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, what do you got going on at your shop? I know you run a shop down there. Well, we're on lockdown right now, thanks to a uh, lovely quarantine going on. But uh, we're still breaking live three to four days a week on Instagram and YouTube, trying to keep the revenue coming through. Um, it's, it's interesting times right now, that's for sure. We're having fun. We're trying to make the most of it. I'm a very optimistic person, so I see us getting through this and hopefully coming out on the other side uh, smelling like a rose, I hope. That's my goal. Thank you for that. Um, as the last couple parts, we asked the expert interviewers we had um, about their journey through Jordan cards, how they started getting into it, um, what they wanted to collect and why. And same with you. How did you even get into Jordan collecting in the first part? I, I pretty much stumbled across it. Like, if anybody's heard my story, basically in a nutshell, is 1988 at Christmas time. My grandma knew that I was becoming a big sports fan. I was watching a lot of NBA Loved watching the Celtics and Lakers series back in the mid-80s because I was basically an 8, 9, 10-year-old kid. 1988, Christmas, my grandma bought me a box of 80, 88 Fleer basketball and didn't even know it was coming. I, I didn't ask for it, nothing. She was just, hey, basketball cards. Let me get those for my grandson. Got to open a whole box, and I got the Michael Jordan cards. And I fell in love with Michael Jordan because he was starting to come up on the uptick, right? It was like his third, fourth year in the league. Um and the Bulls were starting to get into the playoffs. They hadn't gotten over the hump because the Pistons were now about to win two championships. But uh, I just fell in love with Jordan. I grew up in northern Indiana, so I was pretty close to Chicago. And uh, Michael was my guy from then on. I still was a big Celtics fan for some reason. I loved the Celtics, but I loved Michael Jordan because I thought Jordan was just so amazing to watch. I mean, everything he did on the court, defensively and offensively, and the the – you know, they say Mamba mentality now. Jordan defined Mamba mentality. You know what I mean? From yep. the get, Kobe emulated Michael Jordan. So we all know where Mamba mentality originated from in the first place. So literally, Grandma gets me this box of cards, and I open the packs, and I pull these Michael Jordan 88 Fleer cards. And I was going to show you guys real quick. These are the two original Jordans that I've kept since 1988 in my collection that are sitting in my safe that I'll never, ever get rid of. And, you know, I got the all-star of Michael literally taking the free throw line dunk. One of the awesome. best pictures in all of sports cards, right? 88 yeah. Fleer all-star. And then the original Michael Jordan, which is an ugly picture. I mean, he's like oh, swatting Kevin Willis in the face or what? I really don't know what, <laughs> but it's, it's a cool card and it's what got me started. And literally from then on, I always made it. My goal was when I pulled Jordan cards, I tried to keep them. Um, Unfortunately, as a high school and college kid in the 90s and stuff, I didn't get to keep them all because I sold a ton of them off and traded a bunch of stuff away. I never stopped being in the hobby, which a lot of people, once you get into high school and college, kind of give it up. They don't have money. They don't have anything. I used it as a kind of a 
opportunity to do some flipping and buying and selling and trading because it wasn't really that exciting in the late 90s, early 2000s at that time. Then you go back and reverse it, hindsight 2020, and people started picking up all these 90s inserts coming into the early 2000s and they become super popular. So my goal then, I was a collector. I was a big high-end basketball collector. Was opening the ultimates and the exquisites. And, I mean, stupid stuff. Like <laughs> the things that I would have kept, hindsight being 2020, I could have retired early. Let's put it that way. But Did you, did you pull any wife, LeBron? Did you pull any oh, LeBron? I, I pulled so much stuff, Aaron. I pulled, this is a true story. I pulled from 07, no, 06, 07, the dual numbered pieces LeBron Jordan patch auto to 2020. No. I did. I pulled it out of I, I pulled it out of a card shop in Columbus, Indiana. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I sold it for like two grand because I thought I had broken the bank by selling it for two grand. It's probably hey. a fifty thousand dollar card now. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I pulled some I, I got to open 0304 Exquisite before it was cool. I mean, I pulled a Dwayne Wade RPA, true RPA to ninety nine out of the local shop that I now own. I pulled <laughs> that. Just cool stuff, right? I pulled multiple Jordan autos. I pulled the Scotty Pippen Logo Man one of one from 0506 Ultimate Collection. Um Stupid stuff. Like I could tell you, we can talk about that on another episode if you want to, you know, yep, yep. Uh, the stuff I've pulled in my years in basketball. Uh, but the one thing that was constant for me was I loved the look, the feel, the excitement of all the different Jordan inserts that existed from like 96, 95 ish, all the way up to like 99, 2000. There's like a five year period that all of us that are Jordan insert collectors, which there are a lot of them out there. And I'd love to meet every single person that talk about our stories. Um, that five-year span of Jordan stuff, it really began truly with 93 Scoring Kings, the lightning bolt insert. I think that's personally the start of the good Jordan stuff that were truly considered high-end insert cards. That's my story, and I've just collected Jordans, and then buying a card shop eight years ago, exactly eight years ago now, was allowing me to continue to calm and, you know, bring more Jordans in, add them to the PC, get them graded, buy them graded, like whatever it is, just to kind of build up that PC and for me, it's my kids' college education that I'm trying to invest in, honestly. It's more That's fun awesome. than the market, that, right? So Chris from House of Jordans, who we talked to last part, he talked about how his strategy in collecting Jordans was he'd be looking at the smaller ones to flip to turn to the bigger ones uh, to get you know the bigger interest he was after his holy grails. Have you sold Jordans along the way to build up to bigger Jordans, or is it really like, I buy and sell other stuff or, you know, do stuff in the card shop to get money to then just get the big ones right away. That's a good question. I mean, probably if I had to say majority of the time, I'm not really trading Jordans for Jordans. I'm getting rid of other stuff that will help build up the Jordan collection. Good example was I just traded away. I, I sold a couple big high end Giannis cards, rookie. I collected Giannis when Giannis wasn't cool either. So, <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, you're a you're a Wisconsin guy. You know how yeah. big his stuff is. Mm -hmm. uh, I invested in him just as a, on a whim. I've failed on several others, but I bought Giannis and, you know, sitting on a lot of good stuff still. But I've used a couple of Giannis cards to get some really nice Jordans. Um, I bought the 84, 85 star rookie Jordan, number 101, about uh, seven, eight months ago. I had had one for a long time sold it thinking it was at the peak of its market and should have never sold it. And then I regretted it and had to have it back. So in order to get it back, I uh, sold a couple of Giannis's to help pay for that, Michael. Nice. What grade did you have of the 84 star and what do you have now? The one that I had before was a BGS 8.5. Um, and I sold it for like 6,500. I think they're like 10 grand now. Um, and so I, what I could afford with the money that I had at the time was I bought a BGS 8 back. 
So gotcha. the other card that was at the beginning was that 88 Fleer that I first pulled. I had to have a PSA 10 just to say, okay, here's my original. Now I've got my PSA 10 to go along with it. My ultimate goal is to have the original Jordans from all the 80s in PSA 10 form. So I have like the rookie in a PSA 9. I don't have it in a 10, Fleer rookie. Um, I've got the second year 87 Fleer in a PSA 10. 88 Fleer, PSA 10. Now it's a lot easier to get the 89, 90, 91 Fleer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then the inserts are what really kicked in. And that's where I've just kind of wanted to time. They, you know, they can be expensive. There's a lot that are in the $50 to $500 price range that I really encourage people that do what you can within your budget. Cause there's not too many players that you can collect where you truly can buy cool stuff. That's considered a Jordan insert that literally ranges from, 10 bucks to 10,000 bucks, 20,000 bucks. The the discrepancy between Michael Jordan inserts and their values are just nuts, but it's good because everybody can say they have some. And that's what I love about the Jordan insert market too. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. That's great. So we're running these, uh, exclusive interviews here with Jordan experts because of the last dance documentary coming out in now a little under two weeks. I'm sure you're pumped for it. Um, so um, I, you just gave me chills on my arms just talking about it. I'm so excited. Yes. Good. I'm excited too. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. Uh, with that documentary airing, what do you think is going to happen to the Jordan market as a whole? And then what segment do you think is going to see the most demand influx with maybe not so in tune Jordan collectors in the first place? Uh, I think it's a two-sided street right now with that one because this business right now when it comes to the buying investing market, number one is it's built on hype everybody's buying on the hype. So I really think the Jordan market has spiked already to the point where the hype of this documentary coming out has caused it. I've seen about a, between a 30 to 50% jump on a lot of desirable Michael cards, right? Your PSA 10s are almost impossible to find in your high-end inserts. Mm-hmm. I watched a few on PWCC a couple weeks ago and I mean, my eyes about bugged out of my head. I'm like, I have that one, I have that one, I have that one. And now they're $1,000 more than they were two weeks ago, you know, but uh, yeah. So the hype factor is part of it. It's been that way with rookies. I mean, the Zion hype, the Luca hype, all that kind of stuff. The hype kind of outweighs, and the baseball is the biggest thing, the hype factor where a lot of times will outweigh the actual performance when the player comes out and starts playing. Um, this one is the exception to the rule, in my opinion. I think that the younger crowd, I mean, no offense to you, you're the younger crowd, right? But you didn't know, you didn't live Michael and those 90s bulls the way that I did. I lived the Michael era. And I got to see them in their prime. All the younger crowd now knows LeBron, right? I still call LeBron the baby goat. If you watch me on my Instagrams, you see that I put a little baby goat next to the big goat. That's Michael. And every, Ryan Bannister from RBI Crew and I give each other the hardest time because he's such a LeBron crony. And great. You know, everybody likes their own thing, but he's the baby goat. I can't help it. Um, but my point is, is this documentary is going to introduce – the bulls and Michael in a way that you as a younger card collector, investor, hobbyist didn't know. You didn't get to see it. This is a 10 part documentary. You're going to see the absolute domination that Michael did in the mid to late nineties. Cause I mean, I, I, to this day, I will tell people if Michael doesn't have to leave the NBA and go play baseball for two years, the Bulls win eight straight championships, bar none, no question about it. That bulls team could not have been stopped in the 94 and 95 season. So that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it with Michael. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, I know. Like even for myself, I love LeBron too, but I still, I, I mean, just today I was looking at Jordan's basketball reference page yeah. and it's incredible to look at Mrs. Most of season two, 
due to injury. Season three puts up 37 points a game, averaging under one three a game. Dudes are shooting like 12 this year. His, like mid-range, jump, his mid-range jumper was impossible to stop. Impossible. Under under a three a game and you average 37 points is insane. James Harden averages like 13 threes a game. He's averaging 37 and I'm like you, 50 shots. And what do you think he averages in today's day and age in the NBA with everybody's exactly. outs, right? Yeah, he might be putting up 40 a year back to back to back to back. Like, I, it's sound crazy. Like, I sound like such a homer right now because I've told people <laughs> in my shop, I'm like, Jordan would average 55 to 60 a game right now in this day and age NBA. No question about it. Yeah, no question. He for sure could if he shoots enough times. <laughs> He made his free throws. He'd get fouled, and they'd call him ticky-tack foul. That half the time in the 80s and 90s NBA, they would have never called these fouls. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, look at how many free throws Harden shooting in a game. Like, imagine how many Jordan would get a game today. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And then even to your point with leaving for a year to two, really two years for baseball, and then leaving another three after he wins his sixth championship, yeah. and then yeah. to even see him score 23 a game when he is 38, 39 with the Wizards, that's insane. Yeah. That is insane. I try to forget about the Wizards era. Just try to completely forget about that. Right. I I mean, I understand. But even to think about coming back after being retired for three years and doing that is still incredible. So there is a massive respect on my end for never watching Jordan play live. Definitely to just look at the stats, look at his brand as a whole. I mean, I've talked Mm -hmm. a lot about it through these parts. Um, His, the Jordan brand as a global icon is just incredible. Like it, it really just goes throughout all generations, no matter what everyone can connect in a certain way either if it's through cards or shoes or basketball in itself, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. Do you think that there will be some type of crazy just run up in like under $100 Jordan cards that people like yourself know aren't going to keep the same demand going forward? Like it should people be aware of something in the Jordan market as this documentary is happening that like, okay, we're four parts into this documentary and you see a, a 1990 Fleer PSA 10 where there's over like almost 3000 of them. If you see that going for like $500, is there something for people to know that maybe they should stay away from some of this stuff? Oh yeah. Don't buy into that kind of hype right now because you're going to be really sorely disappointed when the market settles back down. Um, There's Michael's. If you look at PSA pop reports, that's the number one piece of advice I can give you. Like, you know, find something that you like, first of all, find it within your budget. And don't worry about chasing what everybody else is doing. I mean, like, like stick with what you decide that you want to do. There are so many good Michael Jordan cards. There will be a spike in values. Like there's so many like from Top Stadium Club and Fleer and Fleer Ultra that are all like, you know, in between 50 and $150. Even if you get a PSA 9 or 10 of them, you, you can still get them under two, $300 price tag. Those are the kind of ones that if people just want to have a piece of good Jordan memorabilia card, what graded insert from that era of the mid to late nineties when the bulls would dominate the way they did go after it, go chase it. If you've got unlimited funds, then you will chase those monsters. I mean, those monsters are so awesome. And you know, I've got a few Jordan PSA tens from the nineties inserts that are pops of under 20 still it's 2020 now. And there are still less than 20 PSA tens of a lot of these high end Jordan inserts that exist. Those are the cards that if you have unlimited funds and you see those pop up on eBay, on PWCC or Probstein or whatever, go get them because you're not going to regret it. I don't ever see that market uh, depreciating in any way, shape or form. It's, it's crazy how you mentioned that. And going forward, there's probably going to be like none added to the population report, either zero or one in case someone has one that's locked away in a collection or something. Yeah, but I, it's... It's, it's probably past my point of being able to collect them, at least for the short term, because 
I am a collector of those. I, I invest and I flip and everything because I own a card shop. But if there's true things that people ask me what I collect, number one, Michael Jordan inserts. Number two, Notre Dame. Because I grew up in Stockholm. I'm a big Notre Dame fan, right? That's it. Um, but the Michael, the Michael market is just insane. It's going to be even more insane moving forward too. Yeah, that's crazy. Talk about insane. Let's get into this collection, personal collection right. review here. Right. Let, me, let me flip through because I gave you a list in order, okay? Um, yep. So we already talked about the 88 Fleer. We talked about the 84, 85 Star Rookie, which I still, my personal opinion is, and I, I'm kind of in the minority, the 84, 85 Star Rookie card, I consider his true rookie card. It's definitely not as popular because everybody wants that true piece of history, and that's the 86 Fleer Rookie. I have one. I'm not saying I don't, but I still consider that 85 Star 101 his true rookie card because it's his first ever card that existed, right? Um, but not a lot of people like to recognize Star as a legit company. We're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. On to the uh, good old inserts, my favorite stuff. So yeah. one of the best, coolest looking cards that I just don't know how in the heck they were able to make it and still have graded cards that are in nines and ten form is the Cut Above Jordan from EX2000. Um, I actually own two of those right now. I own a Beckett 9 and a PSA 9. I think what you're looking at is the Beckett 9 that I own. Um, yep. Again, just require, I mean, I acquired those over time. One of them was a recent acquisition, thanks to my good friend in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Ron F Flory at Triple Play. He uh, happened to be sitting on a bunch of old Jordan stuff and found it in a box and gave me a call and said, hey, Andy, I think I have some stuff you might be interested in because I know you're a big MJ insert fan. So he hooked me up. I mean, I got to thank Ron for that one for sure. Um, so yeah, that cut above card is just, it's just so beautiful. Like I can't stop looking at those kind of cards because of the way they were made. Yeah, um, wait, can, can we talk about really quick how yeah, sure. this, this die-cut card here that we're looking at. So mm -hmm. for our viewers out there, we will definitely have an image up with this that, that Andy provided for us. It has a 9.5 corners, and it's also got these jagged edges for the saw right. blade. Right. Like how, that's an insane 8.95 corners on that. I, I was shocked at the subgrades, and I still really – I mean, it's an older grade. I still don't understand how the edges got an 8.5 because to me, it looks like the corners have the issue, not the edges. And we all know grading is subjective, right? Mm -hmm. I could regrade it and I could get an 8.5 corners and a 9.5 edges next time. We all know that. So card's going to stay the way it is. But uh, yeah, the way those things were cut so perfectly like that, I still to yeah. this day understand it. Yeah, which is... Which is odd because if you look at like some base cards say they come on, they're absolutely destroyed or some cards yeah. today are destroyed. But 1996 production, this thing is super nice. Awesome. Thanks and, for sharing. EX2000, their stuff really took things to a new level. And then EX2000 and Fleer Metal were the two that I would say really took Jordan inserts to that upper echelon for value. Now, there's so many others that are still in that like mid-level, low-level range price-wise, but the EX2000 set and the Fleer Metal set, they transcended Jordan inserts to cause everything to spike the way it does, honestly. The next one is the Flare Showcase Hot Shots Jordan. It's the fire one, and this one has a really cool story to it, which is why I love it so much. Um, I have it in a 9.5, super, super tough. The PSA 10 pop report has that in like, I think it's under 20, like I was talking about earlier. Haven't gotten a PSA 10 yet, but there's two 10 subgrades on this thing too. So I'm really happy to have it. Don't get me wrong. This card, I pulled two of them when I was 17 years old in my junior year in high school, right? My junior year in high school, I had two of these bad boys, ungraded. Grading didn't even exist in 97 really for, for me at least as a junior in high school. 
I sold those two things and to this, well, up until I finally got this, was my number one regret of selling any Michael Jordan card that I had because I love this card. I love this card because honestly, I think it has the most neat appeal, visual appeal to it of any Jordan that I have. I, I When I acquired it, I literally had goosebumps. I was so excited. I mean, you know, for me to love that kind of a piece of cardboard, trust me, it's worth, it. it's worth having this kind of excitement about something like this. Um, the picture, the quality of the card, it's a thicker stock. Flair Showcase did such a good job back then. I mean, it is my all-time number one on my – I call my Mount Rushmore of Michael Jordan inserts, and this is number one by far. Gotcha. Um, I think I've got one or two more. I think I've got one or two more on my Mount Rushmore that we're going to flip through, but that's gotcha. definitely number one. Quick question here. Yeah. So you said you pulled two of these when you were 17. Yeah. My, question, my question is how did you get the packs – and at the time, did was this like the card in 96, like or 97, wherever you pulled it? No, it wasn't. I mean, like anybody wanted Jordan cards because like, I pulled it from a local card shop in Plymouth, Indiana, which if anybody knows where Plymouth is, it's like south of South Bend, north of Kokomo, middle of nowhere, right? That was my local dive. I went to him all the time. Any spare change I had, I was going to buy cards. And um, that I wanted the Jordan stuff. This card was probably worth couple hundred bucks. It was probably double the price of a box of Flair Showcase back in the day. And, but I was so excited to get it because those <laughs> kind of cards you just dreamed of getting. The cool thing about this card, I think insert purists will know this, the, here, the Flair Hot Shots set had error cards coming out their ears. The error cards were that it would be the picture of Michael Jordan, but it would say Jerry Stackhouse going around the side of the card. Um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's said, you know, Penny Hardaway and, you know, uh, Sharif or whoever else was in this set. I think there was a Dennis Rodman that said Sharif Abdurrahim, like just crazy, crazy stuff. But um, I didn't want the error card. I'm a purist. I'm a true purist. And I want the one that says Michael Jordan on it. But if you look at the cards that are out there, there are a ton of these cards that have errors where they mislabeled the player. And so it showed the picture of the player and had a different player's name on crazy. it. Crazy. So yeah. you said that these things were worth like a hundred bucks, maybe, maybe a couple hundred dollars when you pull them. Yeah. Yeah. Just to put it in perspective how crazy this Jordan market is today, how much is something like this worth? If uh, you care one, to share. No, that's fine. I'd say the value of this is anywhere between five and six grand for this card. That's what I would Dang. do that. So yeah. a massive increase in price. Pretty big. It's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the next one is I just had to do it because of value. I truly don't chase this kind of a card i was lucky enough and fortunate enough to buy it but it's the second jambalaya card that was made of jordan jordan's first jambalaya card was 97 98 and this is from 06 07 if you look at historical numbers this one's actually more rare than the original but the original gets more love because everybody wants the og of, of the jordan inserts you know what i mean um i can't believe i'm 41 and i just used og in my <laughs> podcast Trying to stick with this young crowd here. <laughs> That's funny. We're good. Um, this, this jambalaya, I just wanted to show it off because it's so beautiful. I mean, the jambalaya insert set, again, how do they do a complete round cut all the way around? It's like um, it's got like a multi-layered coloring effect to it, like an old sport flicks type card, if you're familiar with that. I mean, nope. just, oh, gosh, yeah. The, the old guys like myself will able to talk about sport flicks cards. But, you know, I just – don't really have much more to say about this card other than I just wanted to kind of show you guys that what Jordan inserts, the high, high end stuff really looks like. And this is one of those for sure. Yeah. I've, I've seen this set, you know, the AI of this card. I'm pretty sure there's a Kobe of this card. Just 
a ton of people love this set for sure. It's one of those sets that just goes crazy with collectors like you. There's a lot of value in that one too. And that's probably my number one most valuable Jordan insert, even though it's not on my Mount Rushmore of top favorites at all. Yeah. So you say it's the most valuable and it comes from 0607. Mm-hmm. Are we talking that this one from the OG one, as you say, is this one just like in, insane price? Like if you were to acquire uh, one of those. I- well, I follow all those and how they sell and everything. The original 9798, if it's in t- PSA 10 form, you're probably talking 25, 35,000 bucks. Easy. Yeah. It's because everybody wants that card. I mean, and there's, again, there's so many people that have the unlimited funds that will uh, buy those kind of cards because you don't see them pop up very often. Exactly. That's nuts. Awesome. Thanks for the insight. Yeah, man. Um, the next one is one of my, what I'd say kind of besides the Scoring Kings 93 Ultra, I'd say this one is really kind of the uh, the start of the trend of cool high-end Jordan inserts. I mean, even up until about three or four years ago, this was still an affordable PSA 10 to get. You could get this card in a PSA 10 for three or $400, but everybody wants kind of those first trendsetters, if you will. And I'd say that this hot numbers Flair Michael Jordan is a trendsetter because it just looks so cool. You move it around and the card background moves around with it. Um, PSA 10s are now selling for like twelve to 1500 bucks for this card. So Dang. super set. It's so unique that it kind of set the trend for more funky uh, inserts to really hit after that. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So the next one is my, uh, it's, it's up there on my Mount Rushmore as well. And the funny part of why I like it is the, it's the 98 EX Century Duncan Go Nuts Jordan. Um, that one has taken off like wildfire. I don't know if it's because it looks just some like Dunkin' Donuts, which I think it does. That's why I bought it because I'm a donut junkie. As you can tell, I love donuts. Um, I, I love the look of the card. I mean, how Upper Deck got away with printing this thing out and not getting sued for trademark infringement still to this day baffles me. I have no idea. I've, I've looked at these cards a lot for being a guy that mostly, you know, only deals in modern. I've actually looked at this set cause you know, yeah. I was really interested in a Kobe one cause there's a Kobe one like this too. And the yeah. set is just so awesome. This has to be one of the, has to be one of the coolest sets I've ever seen for sure. And also it is because you pull in some branding from another company and, to, yeah. and also I also, I don't know how they can get sued for that because it, well, it looks so much like it. Here's, here's some fun insider info on your podcast. I just found out about this. I didn't get to make it down to the Upper Deck Conference this year in January, but my manager, Jake, got to go. He came back and told me that the original release of this set, they were going to do a second year Dunkin' Donuts because the popularity of it was so big. But Dunkin' Donuts sent them a cease and desist order because it was too much, too similar to their logo that they said, absolutely not, you can't do this again. So Dang. it was a it was a one and done and you'd never see this Dunkin' Donuts set ever again. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. That you know? totally adds, adds to the collectability of it for sure. Oh, no doubt. And it's definitely, it's one of my top four Mount Rushmore's for sure. I love it. So the next one is the 98 Fleer electrifying Michael. The reason I love this card so much is because it's those badass black uniforms. I absolutely yeah. love the bulls black uniforms. When they came out with those in the late nineties, People were like, get out of here. These things are so cool. Um, And this is one of the very, very few, if not, I don't know exactly. Don't quote me on this, but it's super, super low of Michael insert cards in his black uniform. Um, So this thing, it's it's popular. Uh, This card in this grade probably is $1,500 to $2,000. But, you know, it's not about the value of that. It's just that it looks so cool. The background is really sparkly. It's got that lightning bolts going through it. And then Jordan in his black uniform. 
one of the best visual appealing Jordan inserts in my, in my opinion. Yeah, this thing is incredible. Like, I love the gold sparkle going along with it. And it's crazy. You say that this is like, you know, $1,500 to $2,000, which is a lot of money, but let's compare it to like today's market. And this is like totally insignificant to some of what cards are going for today. And it actually is crazy to see, you know, Michael the Goat and cards that were produced in these years yeah. of dominance of the Bulls and, and Jordan that they're yeah. not more, which is obviously why this documentary is going to bring it to light. And I'm sure they will go up in price, but it's nuts. What would you rather have, a Zion Silver 10 or this card in a 10? Yeah, for sure this card. This card's insane. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, what else do I have? Okay, so this one, you can show the next two kind of side by side if you want to, Aaron. Yep. Um, so there's two different Michael Jordan, what they were called big men on court inserts. Uh, loved the look of these. The first one came from Z-Force, and that was one of the most difficult die cut cards I've ever seen, the big men on court cutout, the one that I have in a BGS 9. Yeah. Um, but they made a ton of it. Z-Force was the like Panini sticker cards of the day. They were super cheap. You could buy Z-Force anywhere and everywhere you wanted to. You could buy them at Walmart, Target, card shops. You know, they probably had them at dollar stores for a pack because they were like really flimsy and everything. So there wasn't good quality. But then they came out with a few of the inserts to be inserted into the Z-Force set. The raves are big cards, uh, the number to 399. The super raves are really tough. After super raves, that's when the inserts of this set started kicking in because Z-Force needed a little spark to boost its popularity. Um, so yeah, this big men on court card kind of set the trend. And then they came out with another Z-Force set in 97, 98. And that's when people thought, uh-oh, we've got some inserts that are popular. And the 97, 98 Z-Force Michael Jordan card, not only does it look cool, it's not die cut at all. It's a perfectly round or squared off card, but it is a super low pop. If you look this card up on the pop report, I think it's under 25 or 30. And PSA 10s, it might be my second or third most valuable one. I think it's like seven, $8,000 in a PSA 10. No Dang. Um, it, so it, it looks like it's on canvas almost, like a canvas type finish. Similar to that 95 flare showcase hot numbers card. And it's got like that little sport flicks type look to it where it kind of moves around a little bit in the background. So they made a lot of those cards like that. And this is just another one of those examples. And I just love it. I just love the look of it. I do like the die cut one from the original 96, 97 set, but this one is my favorite just because it's very, it's an actual card. It's not like this die cut version that is impossible yeah. to hear of, right? Dang, so, that's crazy. How yeah. hard is a BGS nine on the die cut? It's not that difficult. I think this card, you can get it for under a grand. I know it sounds like a lot of money, but like compared to the high-end Jordan inserts, you can get a BGS9 die cut like that for under a grand right now. And Gotcha. It, Is it due to, due to the amount of them out there or? Yeah, there's a lot of them, those, those out there. I'd say, you know, even a PSA 10 of that card is probably in triple digits. It's a hundred plus, I would say. Mm. Gotcha. Cool. Thanks for the insight. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, that's my list. I just, you asked me to give you the highlights. I'm sending you the highlights. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. These cards are awesome, man. I wish I had some of these, but it's too late now. So <laughs> maybe someday I can get one of these Dunkin' Donuts and put it next to yours and take a picture of it together. But man, these things are, these things are sweet. Well, and that Dunkin' Donuts, there's a lot of intricacies of Jordan inserts and stuff. Like that's a good example. That card can discolor. Um, it's a clear acetate see-through card. And it can like turn yellow. So you really have to keep it in a temperature controlled environment. 
um, you know, mine's in a safe deposit box and I don't really do anything with it, which is why I send pictures because I keep a pictorial inventory. Um, you really have to take care of a lot of these cards because they didn't make those things to last for a long time if you have them out in the light and have them out like in different temperature atmospheres. So certain little intricacies that you just have to take care of these cards as much as you possibly can. Right. Well, the Kobe I was looking at was actually really yellow, which is what kept me from buying it. But that's sweet. Yeah, this one is is crystal clear. I'll tell you that much. So that is probably one of the sets that if I could over time, I'd build the entire set with because I have the I have two Kobe's and one Michael. And uh, if if I've got the two biggest ones, I might as well go after the rest of them. That's yeah, kind of- I know that KG is in it for sure. I don't know who the rest of the set is, but yeah, that'd be the awesome. Big one's, the big one's Vince Carter because that's his rookie year card, and oh. um, people love that card because he won the dunk contest and he's a dunking monster. And it's it's a that's a tough one to find too. Dang, awesome! That's really sweet. So thank you for sharing your personal collection. I must say this was sweet to have you come on and just share some share some stories about how you acquired them or why you love them so much. Yeah. I mean, you know, at Slab Socks, we do a ton of value covering and different market analysis, but to bring in someone to really just pick apart their collection and say why they like them so much is, is great. And, you know, me, I'm a collector too. I've been collecting since I was 10. So, I, you know, similar to you collecting when you were younger, um, I, I've done the same thing. And there's certain cards that, you know, I don't have anymore because I either donate or got rid of them. Some 2012 <laughs> Prism cards. That, that, that look at like 14 or 15 right now isn't that what it is oh yeah whatever <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah but to end it off here with this documentary coming up and all the people looking at different places again and jordan inserts what's the easiest way you'd recommend people get into jordan inserts to a way that they're not gonna maybe <laughs> buy one and lose a ton of money if there's too many out there. Cause you know, there, you do have to know what you're doing in some of these markets. Otherwise you can, you can lose a lot of money just so they know. No doubt. Um, number one, my, I always tell all my card shop customers cause they ask me these questions all the time. Stick within your budget, you know, pick out a number that you want to spend because you can find something in that range that you're going to like. that's aesthetically pleasing. That's collectible and stick within your budget. That's number one. Um, number two, I would say, lean on somebody that has the expertise. You know, I'm as a local card shop owner, my number one favorite thing to do is talk cards with everybody and give them any advice that they're looking for of what they really want. You know, I want to find out exactly what they're trying to collect. Um, so with Jordan inserts, I've got cards in my shop. I have basically a dedicated row in my display case of different Michael Jordan inserts that people can choose from because I want them to share in the enjoyment that I got to enjoy as a kid as an adult, all that fun stuff. So that's awesome. You know, let's, let's start from there and build up to that point to the, awesome. to the point where you want to come in and you want to spend five grand on a high end Jordan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for anyone out there who wants to possibly learn about Jordan inserts, are you willing to help them by Instagram direct message? Is that something that they should look to do? What I would say is if you're going to DM us, you know, try to come in with a more concise question as opposed to, Hey, what should I buy? What should I collect? It's way too general, and I can't give you a clear answer on that. Um, I want to help anybody and everybody on this market because that's what I call myself an expert of. And I'm not an expert of anything else. Jordan inserts, I truly feel like I'm an expert. Of. Um, but I'm happy to lead you in that right direction. Um, you know, send me pictures and say, would this be a good buy at such and such a price? Or, you know, I want to spend this much money. What would you recommend? I'm happy to do those kind of answers and um, lead people in the right direction because it helps the hobby. Yeah, I agree with that. And for those that are watching us that try to DM myself, 
uh, you will also know that those questions work a lot better with me than, hey, man, what's up? What should I be buying? What's the best right. buy in the basketball card market? Yeah. Uh, just way too general <laughs> to, to answer 100 plus of those. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, come come at it with more of a specific mindset. Maybe do a little research first too so you know what he might respond with. Um, that'd be yeah. a good way to go about it. Yeah, happy to do it. Yeah, we want to keep seeing this hobby grow for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks, Andy, for joining me. It was a blast to learn about your inserts and, you know, the different cards you love collecting, even hearing the story of how you got into drawing cards in the first place. That's awesome to think that even cards weren't even on your radar and then boom, here it comes and then you're all into it. Thanks. Thanks, Grandma. Yeah. (laughs) She gets all the credit for getting me started and never stopping 31 years later. So I want to tell you guys, thank you so much for what you do too. You guys are awesome on the hobby and, uh, Keep it up as well, educating customers and educating collectors on uh, what's the right thing to do and seeing the market trends. I follow you guys and watch you religiously as well. So I appreciate it, Aaron. You and Nate. Awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Also, this upcoming summer, or actually probably after now with everything that's going on, uh, we're thinking about taking a road trip around the country to visit some card shops. you mind having us in for a little video? We're just a few minutes down the road from you guys. Come on down and see us in Indianapolis for sure. Awesome. Yeah, we'll make that happen. Thank you all for watching the Slab Stocks YouTube channel or podcast network, and we will see you next time.